Yes, Lord. We black at it again. It's hella yes, black, sir. baby. Hella black pod in your motherfucking ear. Right now, outside rocking. I don't know if y'all can hear the crickets, but we we in nature recording, man. This shit is beautiful. There is no way to confirm that those are crickets. You don't know what that is. I think it's crickets. I mean, I was not no Boy Scout, but I think it was some crickets. <laughs> There's no way you can, like, we just going to assume because it's making that sound that that's what crickets sound like. If y'all can hear it's this It's hella different sounds, yeah. though. Like, there's, like, some shit popping off behind me. I don't know what it is. Like, of course, we can hear, like, that, like, loud. That kind of sounds like, I don't know what that is. That's not a, that's not crickets. That's not crickets? I highly doubt it. Well... You know, I never got my patches from the Boy Scouts, and I never did that shit, so I ain't familiar. But if you're a listener and you hear what we're hearing right now, I don't even know this shit picking up, but if you're hearing what we're hearing, <laughs> let us know, because I think it's crickets. Or what is that one other other bug that be making them noises? Nah, that's not that. What you like think? Acadia or some shit? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't really, really tap into the bugs. bug world, yeah. man. Shout but we out to the bugs, though. We in nature. We out here in nature. I, I'm, niggas had to spray, spray themselves with, with bug spray before they came out here. And while you was inside grabbing the shit, like something zipped past my ear, I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this shit. And if you hear me freak out, <laughs> which might happen if a bug flies near me. We out here glamping. <laughs> this ain't even glamping, man. We in a fucking cabin, nigga. That's like the definition of glamping, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, I mean, oh. you go into the wilderness, and you can either stay in, like, a cabin or um, a RV. But that's that's this is technically, like, a glamping type thing. Running water and running bathroom and shit that's glamping. Yeah. Alright. So well we in here glamping. Episode fifty three of Hell Black Rocket. Tone Oliver. Sometimes you gotta just let go. Uh. I've been practicing on my patience like a doctor. I used to try to force things, but they would never prosper. I was a sheep dancing with wolves like Kevin Costner. But when you go with the flow, there's so much you can accomplish. I left the nonsense in the past and became hella conscious. Some call it corny, but I'm popping like overread and baka. Propelling to the top. Fly as a helicopter. No teleprompter. I'm just speaking from my seven shots. Yeah, this is. I think this is a very special episode for me just because this is like one of my favorite places to be. Uh, we up north in Yuba right now. For the folks that aren't familiar with kind of the Northern the, California, yeah, they aren't like familiar with the landscape of Northern California. Yuba City is like an hour out of Sacramento, maybe. Yeah, yeah which is like two and two and a half hours north of Oakland. Yeah, so we out here. We, Depending on how fast you drive in the Jeep, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Me and Blake come to this spot. Um, try to come at least a couple times a summer. One of our close friends, shout out Maya. Um, her family has a a house up here that they allow us to to come spend some time at, and we spend these days like fucking. We usually come every summer and spend like a weekend, three or four days, just hiking, swimming, out in the wilderness, you know, trying to like recenter ourselves and yeah. Hundred degree heat. It'd be hot as fuck, hot as hell. But yeah, I'm I'm glad we out here doing this. And we get to record the podcast. So I'm fucking juice doing one of my favorite things, one of my favorite places. We outside too. That's a that's history right there. That's our we first never time did this, recovering a, or recording the podcast outside. It's one of my favorite things. A hella black, bro. I feel like we just do this shit wherever, whenever. When we when we move to do it, it's for, I mean that could be for better or for worse. Sometimes I feel like early on we had like some like shaky audio, but yeah. I think it's again we say this all the time, but it's super authentic. Um, I think it adds. It adds to what we're doing um, And you know Yeah I think it, it keeps it balanced Because sometimes we do the highly produced Or like not not like highly produced But like you know the like Super high quality episodes I think yeah, just having the Guest interviews yeah, I think But if you've been with us from the beginning 
You know, yeah. we just try to make it shake and record yeah. where we can. And, I, and ever since we got like the portable equipment too, I love having that flexibility of just being able to just like shout out to my nigga Eggpest yeah. for real. I, I like having the flexibility of just being able to talk our shit when and wherever, whenever we want to. And it's still pretty high quality too. Yeah. I so I hope um for the listeners, I hope y'all fuck with this because I'm about to enjoy recording this shit. <laughs> Straight up. You wanna do your usual spiel? You already know. Like an auctioneer, damn it. You said, what? I'm an auctioneer. Episode 53, Michael's on SoundCloud. My nigga got that shit down, Pat. You feel me? So, if you tapped in with Hella Black, you feel me? You already know what time it is, man. Subscribe to our podcast. You feel me? On Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star review because we put out five star content all the time. Write a review. I just saw a bug. Fuck that. Like us on SoundCloud. <laughs> Repost our shit too. And, you know, post our shit on your IG story. Tag us at HellBlackPod. We'll repost it. You feel me? I appreciate everybody who really spread the word. That shit really made me happy. You feel me? And when I see people posting this shit on their story and supporting us and spreading the work that we do. So I appreciate y'all. So like us, subscribe, retweet. Tell your family, tell your cousin, tell your auntie because it's Hella Black, baby. Shout out to all the listeners and supporters, especially we're in a time where. Podcast game is like becoming like super like oversaturated. Everybody got a podcast, and not like knocking nobody, um, but I'm grateful for like our core listeners and new listeners. Anybody yeah. who support us, like with Especially, all this shit going yeah. on, all this shit you could be listening to, I fuck with all the shit you could get money to. You decide to get money to us every month. Exactly. So I appreciate all the patrons. Patreon.com/slash/hellblackpot. We have extended episodes, exclusive content. So fuck with us on Patreon. That's allowed us to really grow as. Young black radical creators You feel me So tap in on our Patreon Patreon.com Slash hell black pie So you know We got a good ass Episode in store today You feel me We was driving Our way up And we was talking about Reading a book And Giving it kind of like A, a book review But also talking about The politics behind the book yeah. So we've been re- Reading Asada Shakur Yeah I'm um I'm super juiced about The next few weeks Of the podcast and I don't, I've never really been a part of like no I wouldn't call us like no book no book club shit but I've never like done say hello black book club maybe like something it. like maybe in school you do yeah. like you know you read y'all especially like in English or history they'll sign y'all this book y'all read it and y'all they like discuss it in class was on, I was on Cliff Notes yeah <laughs> but it's been such Spark a notes, yeah it's been such that. a it's been such a long time since I like read something and then like tried to assess it with the group or whatever or like yeah. assess it with someone else simultaneously um, so I don't know I think one thing I'm trying to think. Is if you have any, because it's not gonna be the last time we do this. Like this is the first book we doing, and yeah. I think that's something that we're gonna do on the regular. Um, so for for listeners, if you have any type of suggestions or critiques for how, like I guess like the formatting of this, because I think today we just gonna take a shot in the dark. But if you're a listener, you're like, okay, I think this could be most effective um, if you like apply these methods or organize your content this kind of way or whatever. Organize the discussions in these kind of ways. Please tap in because yeah. you know we definitely want this to be super effective in. A learning experience and yeah, in-depth conversations for the folks that are reading the book along with us. Right, and one of the things we want to do is also encourage folks to start reading some of these black radical texts. You know, even for myself, like I read a lot of essays, a lot of journals all the time just because of work. But this is the first time in a minute where I feel like I've opened a book and really just been able to dive in. You know, so even uh, if you listen to what we saying, you probably think we read all the time, which we do. But like the last time I read a book, it's been a minute. You know, yeah, I would definitely say, especially like being someone that's heavily into Twitter, I just find myself reading like a lot of articles. Um, it's been, it's been a minute, bro. It's, it's been a 
it's been a very long time since I really just like like you said dove into a dove into like a a really radical like long form text. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but before we get into that, we definitely gotta start with some Black Joy. Yes, Lord. You gonna so, kick it off? Yeah. Shit, I got my Harley back, man. That thing was in the shop. <laughs> that shit was in the shop for a minute, man. So I get my get my my ride back, my whip back, the bike back, man. That shit was a good ass feeling, bro. I just be slapping music sometimes and just be riding on the freeway. That shit, it's hard to describe that feeling, but that's like one of the most times I feel the most free. And just playing music, having that shit back, that shit just brought me hella joy. Yeah, like, so much joy. I like, I'm hitting like 75. On I could imagine. I just start bro. yelling, nigga. Like, yeah. ah, nigga, let's go. I, I could like, definitely <laughs> imagine. The closest I've gotten to, I think, a motorcycle is probably like an ATV or a jet ski. Yeah, and you know when the jet ski, when you be feeling that wind, nigga, Bruh. And like we do ATVs. I've only done ATVs, yeah. ATVs in Pismo, and. You know, it's hell like dunes and dips. So you hell can't really, and shit, you, you can't, can't really cut up a jet ski, nigga. If you get to the right spot, you could just floor it. And I was like, "Fuck!" So I can only imagine like what it's like <laughs> being on the motorcycle, nigga, like open <laughs> road. I, yeah, music going and you hear the exhaust, you just grinding. I'm happy for you, my what nigga. About you, bro. Um, I think this past weekend, just being up here with all y'all, some of my cl- closest um, friends and family, and you know, just being able to be out in nature. I feel like all of us, especially everyone that's here, is people that I think like work extremely hard and are caught up in like the everyday hustle and bustle of capitalism and like productivity and shit. Especially right? being in the city too, Oakland, Berkeley. All of us are caught up in that kind of rat race thing, um, and all of us are kind of flourishing at the rat race, f- f- whatever that means. Um, <laughs> you know, but it was just important for me to to get us away from some of that shit and just fucking really just. Engage with each other in a non-work way, um, and just yeah, you know, like we've been eating good, we've been drinking good, we've been out in the sun, out in the water. Uh, nigga got bit by a snake yesterday. This nigga really got bit. That's by a bro, snake, my, bro. It's wild, bro. Like we come, we come to this river a lot, bro. I ain't this looks like I think snake. my fifth summer, bro. My fourth, fifth summer. And I was joking before. I was like, yeah, there be snakes in this water and shit, you know, because there's folks who haven't been here yet. And I was like, yeah, there's, there's some snakes in this motherfucker. <laughs> really got bit by a snake, my nigga. So that's, I wouldn't say it was on my bucket list, but, like, that's some shit I never thought about. And I, I, I was like, niggas, no, I be calling myself a nature bro or whatever. Like, I really be in the nature all the fucking time. But I think sometimes you just forget. The one C. Irwin, bro. His last name is officially changed now. I got bit by a fucking snake, nigga. Bro, this nigga like, grabbed the snake, bro. Me, this nigga, the snake was coming for this nigga. This nigga grabbed that shit. He shook it like some dice, and he just chucked that shit. It's a real zoo shit, my nigga. Like, I really, feel, I really feel like I was in the field. But, yeah, I'm um, I'm super grateful for that, bro, just to be able to share these experiences with, with people that I care about and be able to do this kind of shit because... You know, like we we read inside it right now, and that shit just puts a lot of things to perspective for me on like what privilege and freedom looks like. Bro, even thinking about this idea of joy, yeah. you know. So, like for those of you listening with us, we're gonna review the first four chapters of Asada's autobiography. So we have the link in our Instagram. So tap in with that. If you can't find it on our IG, you can search it and you can find it um, the PDF. So we encourage people to to read along with us. Read the first four chapters. You feel me? Ideally, if you can before the episode, but if you don't want to read it, it's all good. Just tap in. We're going to give a little bit of a review, but um, we definitely want to encourage people to tap into that. But this idea of joy, I think is, I know we was driving in just even while we're out here just talking about that as we're both reading this book and 
a lot of people always be like, oh, I ain't finna be like my grandparents, man. Nigga, I'm tapped in, man. I'm fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm radical as fuck, all this, this and that. And I'm like, bro, like, joy for them was so, like, they had, Asada was literally just like, how can I go to the amusement park? How That's, the, like, that's her idea of joy. Yeah. But because of, you know, Jim Crow South at that time, it was white only. The yeah. The way she was able to do it was because, you know, I think it was her grandma. Was her grandma? It was, was, no, her, it was mom. her mama. Her mom, yeah. she was like, was speaking Spanish and was like, oh, I'm from, you know, I ain't from, I ain't a black American. Like, I'm from out of the country. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to call the UN on y'all niggas. <laughs> like, yeah. Really hustling to get by. Yeah, that, that shit just really got me thinking, bro, of like, I, I think sometimes we get so caught up in our everyday struggle as like our, our current struggle as black folks. Which is a real struggle. No, it's, ve- it's very all. real, but like, also, at the same time, we got a lot of privilege that, you know, our elders and ancestors didn't have access to. Um, and I'm just thinking, like, damn, as I struggle to find joy in my everyday life as a black person in America in 2019, I can only imagine what that was like 40 years ago, my nigga. And we're thinking about the joy moments that we both have had in our own black joy experiences, right? It's coming up to Yuba, of course, and then riding a Harley, like... Think about bro, all that you shit couldn't even ride a, access, bro. You couldn't even ride a Harley back then, back in the day. Like, niggas who was riding Harleys, they was buying them used because they couldn't buy them from the dealership. Or they was getting engines and putting this shit together. And then think about where we are in California. You feel me? It's like, we we in this redneck area. Driving up here, we see Confederate flags, Trump flags, you know what I'm saying? Like, all all the real redneck shit. Shit is all rooted in access. That's what, I, that's what I've been thinking about. It's like, what did Joy look like? We're we going to dive into it more as we like assess each chapter, but I think something that's been like really on my mind is like, what did Joy look like for someone that had very fucking limited access based on their race? Yeah, so um, I think what we're going to do for this first one, and hopefully y'all fuck with this format, is like kind of dive into each chapter. And again, like Blake said, we have it kind of designed for each episode. We'll, we'll assess like four chapters at a time. Um, uh, but what we're going to do is we'll dive into like the first four chapters on this episode and really give like an over kind of like a, a overview and discuss what are, I guess, like uh, themes that we saw with that resonated with chapters. us. Yeah, and that's the thing yeah. think I've been thinking about, too, is like, damn, I feel like each person will read this and take away their own thing. Like, of course, there'll be some themes where like that are universal, but I think each person can read this book and like take away like their own little. You can me. apply it to your own life, just like yeah. the way we apply joy. And having that critique to our own joy, you feel me? You apply it to your own life. Yeah, that's what's beautiful about reading is have the ra- same radical book, but have different interpretations of how it affects you. Facts. I think um, from the gate, bro. Like the book starts off. Like I remember Ty was talking about it, or Ty and you were saying, like, nigga, like it's one of like those like intense but like quick reads. Like it's something that you can get hella caught up in. And so like when I first started, I'm like, oh fuck, like this shit had me. From the from the very beginning, bro, where like it starts with a side on on the New Jersey Turnpike, and I don't know, she's just giving like this detailed as uh, detailed as uh, I guess like recalling what it was like when she first got arrested for uh, qu- arrested like, and she was shot too. Yeah, nigga, like what? And that's when they said she grabbed the the pig's gun and, and shot the pig too, and then got shot as well. Yeah, on the that's that's what they say happened on the New Jersey Turnpike. That's what they account. They like yeah. accused her of, of murdering, yeah, or of shooting at a pig. Fuck pigs, though. Yeah, and that that's that was like the number one thing. Like, bro, I was reading that first chapter where she's like, "All right, detail him." You know, her coming to like back into consciousness after being shot, uh, 
and then like all the medical examiners, whatever the the, uh, the ambulance, the police, like just the language they were using around her, the ways in which they were actually treating her, like motherfuckers was really had her sitting out like bleeding to death on the on the freeway, bro. Like the fact that she alive right now, just some. You feel me? You read some she, high you like, power shit because you think about all the times she faced death in her face and the way, like the paramedics was like, "Oh, is she, is she dead yet?" It's like motherfuckers. Always like, "Oh, is she dead yet?" Literally saying that, like, is literally waiting yet? for her to die, waiting for her to bleed out, and she still found a way to survive. And even the ways in which that. they were handling her as she was, as she was, as, as she was like damn near bleeding out. You feel me? You think about somebody's been shot, and they were like not gentle with her at all, and even throwing her on the gurney. The way damn near examining her while she's on the ground, just flipping her over and shit, interrogating her while she's bleeding out. She was, bro, literally they interrogating her, my nigga. Not, you feel me? Um, trying to confirm, not not even like you know making sure that she no first aid care. Yeah, like not even <laughs> making sure she she she's okay first, so that she gonna live before they even get to pressing her. Like niggas is really trying to get in for, like really trying to interrogate her on some like some Black Liberation Army shit, like not some like what happened on this scene, but like on some like deeper shit, like who are you, nigga? What, what you attached to? Where you from? Type all that shit. And if you got to think about it, the Black Liberation Army was considered to be a paramilitary force. You feel me? Like they was considered to be a Black radical army fighting against the state. So they're not only are they treating them like they is black, but they treating them like they a black terrorist organization. Exactly. Right, and they knew who they was, you know, who they had pulled over. They knew who they shot. Right, they was probably tracking them before all that even happened. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, just thinking about that treatment. Yeah, it, it was one of the things that had me like super upset, bro. And people want to talk about American citizenship. <laughs> like, what is it to be to be a fucking American when you black and radical and bleeding out on the on on the interstate? The shit just had me. Uh, I was super frustrated, bro. It was um. It was it was frustrating. I was saddened to think about, like, I often think about, like, me being in that situation. Like, the number one thing that I've taken away from the chapters that I read so far is just how resilient and strong Asada was. And uh, a lot of the folks that have been a part of, like, like the freedom for black, the, the fight for black liberation. Yeah. Um, that's, like, an overarching theme is just their resilience and their perseverance. And then, nigga, you think away like the way that and the ways in which people talk about Asada, like you see, like this, like kind of, you would think she's like, um, like super big and, I mean, like she's definitely strong, like strong willed and physically strong too. For what I've been reading, but like, nigga, she's small. And then like, she like, even was saying that in the book. She's she said, small, like, bro. She was transferred to one of the the different counties, and another inmate, another black person who was incarcerated, was like, "You're Asada." Like I imagine you to be hella like, pheno- you know, phenotypically big, yeah, strong. She said dark, like she would say all those things, and it was like, oh no, like you're small, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you like you think about, like I, can, I think the theme for chapter one is again is like just literally like pol- police brutality, pol- police brutality amongst black radicals at that time. Um, and it was like nigga, she wasn't even a threat to nobody, but they were still treating her like a terrorist threat, my nigga. Like she's literally bleeding out. And they really, we, we, we see this. We think about like the patriarchy too. Yeah. Like how this woman was treated, not only because she was black, but because she was also a woman too. Like, not even treated like a fucking human being. It's just so many layers of oppressive shit. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I think like that first chapter really set the tone for, and it starts like the book starts off with her and her adulthood. Um, so you know if that's what she was going through, it, and at that moment, I knew that I was setting up, I was set up to like be reading a bunch of traumatic, turmoil experiences as a black woman life. in right. America. And it's, you know, people talk about intersectionality, but just seeing about all these multiple forms of repression intersecting at once you feel me to what's going on with the sada you know what i'm saying so like she's arrested and then she's denied medical care after she's arrested you know what i'm saying like after she's shot killed not killed but like they tried to kill her i mean because the goal from the get-go was to kill her with all like with with a lot of the folks who are part of the black liberation army or the black radical movement like that was what the police wanted that's that's what the state wanted was to have these motherfuckers eradicated so it's like okay eradicate if we can say she died by natural causes by fucking bleeding out from gunshot wounds, and then we control the media as white supremacists, and you got to think about like how many how many folks went through this and didn't get to live to tell their story. Right, Assad is one of the lucky ones who was able to live through it, quote escape unquote, prison, like, quote, right, quote unquote, like, and then be able to write about this. But you got to think about how often did this happen to people, and how many stories have gone untold, right? So literally just being denied medical care to then being arrested and taken to a hospital. And even and she was being, in a hospital, my nigga, like... She was literally tortured in a hospital. She well, said a police came in there and she thought they were trying to take her eyes out. Pointing shotguns at so her So talking about, like, medical apartheid, you feel me, is, like, even inside of a hospital, a place where she's supposed to be able to recover, she's being watched round the clock, tortured, FBI agents... State troopers Right And she's At this point She's partially paralyzed In the arm And is being denied Medical care So you think about Just how Black women are treated In healthcare today And just thinking about How Asada was treated And this That was something That stuck out to me too Cause It was like She would Be in these arguments With this doctor And they would Without even examining her Tell her like Oh you don't need this Or you'll be alright And this is someone Who was just shot too like, oh, you don't need this. Oh, no, you'd be all right. That was, like, the theme of that whole first chapter of her being in the hospital, bro. Right, and she couldn't. She was denied access to her family, denied access to her lawyer. This shit was so right, So all this, you know, people want to talk about the Constitution, like, literally the Constitution and the rights that are supposed to be afforded to, quote, unquote, all Americans, being we, we know that's not the truth, was not afforded to her. The Constitution is applied to people who they see fit when and when they want to. White, male. <laughs> with some money, <laughs> money, or we'll someone attached to a white man with some money, and it's crazy because we was just driving past when we was coming from the store. It said uh, nine fifteen is Constitution Day, and they were celebrating at that little school we passed. And I'm like, For just real? thinking about yeah, I just thinking about the Constitution about. and how this was not applied. Right, you know, it's like they said, yeah. oh, yeah, the Constitution is written for everybody, which we know that it's not the fucking case. But literally, you are black, and even though it says all these rights you're supposedly supposed to have. You don't have them. All I know is, man, like, which what we continue to see today is when you black, this white supremacist nation is going to pick and choose when you can be afforded the liberties of American citizenship, my nigga. Like, that's just what's going to happen. Like, and if you are someone who publicly identifies yourself as an opposition to this state, you in. Yeah. It's one thing to be publicly opposed. It's another thing to be like Asada and publicly opposed. 
like strapped a part of the Black Liberation Army was a part of the party at one time too. You know what I'm saying? So literally like America is an imperialist country and we need to overthrow this shit. She was she was a public enemy to everything that America stood for. Right. We know J. Edgar Hoover is a public co intel pro in the FBI's war on the party and the Black Liberation Army. Right. And for those of you who are not familiar with the BLA, BLA, the Black Liberation Army was like the underground um set of the Black Panther Party that were, I would say, more militant, you know, ready for war, right? And they kind of broke off from the Panthers. A lot of them were former Panthers. And just thinking about her, you feel me, as a, like, they said she was the quote-unquote, like, mother of the BLA, right? Gave them inspiration. So for her opposing everything in America, but actively is living those actions, too. Being underground, you know what I'm saying? Like, when we mean underground, like, what are we hopping from place to place escaping the fucking government? Yeah. Something I've been thinking about as I read the book is, uh, and I think we address it often on the pod, is, like, the the glorification and the, like, um, I guess, like, mythical aspect that's applied to a lot of the folks that, a lot of the black folks that fought for uh, black liberation before us uh, and I think it's like such a dis- disjustice to them is it you know, an injustice to like not fucking um, like read up on our history bro like I was I remember not we only that but tell the full story of her history too like Asada was tortured and like right? this is what it really means to be an enemy of the white supremacist state like I, you, you get motherfuckers who get on here and talk all this this radical shit Like what does it even mean To be radical anymore I don't know What does it mean Like that's something I've been thinking about What does it mean To be even radical Even with myself what does it, Yeah like what does it mean To be revolutionary After reading this Like I've been thinking About all those things But I think it's like We A starting point Of being Of aligning yourself With those With that movement Of the past um, Is like really reading On the folks who were Knee deep in that shit who were ten toes deep in the trenches of that of that movement, bro? Right, because a lot of people will say we have nothing to lose but our chains. You know what I'm saying? Like it is our duty to fight for our freedom. You know that's a very uh, popular protest chant. But just thinking about what Asada went through and what a lot of our comrades went through at that time, yeah, like shit. That's that we have to really try to place ourselves as best as we can in the history, and that's by reading and listening to their stories. I Man, they was under. Full government suppression. Like, black people already were under this white supremacist state, but they're literally using every aspect of the government, all of their technology, you feel me, to kill and like lock up resources. revolutionaries. Every single resource, nigga. Talking military, CIA, FBI, all those resources were used to lock her up, to incarcerate her, and to try to kill her. Yeah, so and she still survived, man. And that's why I think chapter one would what hit me is like just the way it, you know, started with the affirmation too, in her Asada's poetry, you know, because as somebody who I, I, I don't know, I, sometimes for myself, so I feel, I feel hopeless, you know, and then just thinking about, I don't know, I'm on like chapter six, chapter seven, and reading some of the things she's talking about, like about having a kid and mm-hmm. things like that, and just about hope as a black person. I'm like, damn, bro, like she, despite everything she went through. All the the torture, the incarceration, the solitary. She she had hope. Yeah, and that was kind of like humbling for me. That's spot on. All this shit has been extremely humbling for me. It's been uh, it's been allowed me to like do some self reflection, and also uh, 
I think like try to hold myself to a to a different standard and not on some egotistical standard shit, but like, all right, let's call a spade a spade. I cannot use these words, I cannot use this theory, I cannot use this rhetoric unless I have a certain practice attached to it. That that's what I got from this. And I hope that Because being a revolutionary is about practice. A hundred percent. Like there is like theory without practice is just Talking, <laughs> a lot of niggas talking. That's, that's, that's all it is. Um, so I think we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to black people. We owe it to our ancestors. We owe it to leaders before us to do this kind of reading and and to have this kind of knowledge based on their experiences, our own experiences, and really tap in with the shit that came before us. Facts. So yeah, we uh, B, you kind of addressed it earlier with like the theme of joy in the book. Um, so like chapter two, I th- we said like three of the things that we stuck out to us was joy, privilege, and blackness. Right. Um, we touched on the joy earlier with, you know, like there's a part in the there's a part in the book where Asada and her mom, um, and one other family member I can't remember if it was like a sister or a cousin or something, want to get into the amusement park. And like throughout that entire chapter, she she recants these like different situations in which mm-hmm. she explains like. This is shit that we always wanted to do, but we couldn't do. Right, and Talk- a lot, of, yeah. yeah, and a lot of the book it just goes back and forth, right? So it that's another thing I enjoy about the book. Yeah, it starts with her, you know, being shot on the New Jersey Turnpike. Then the next chapter is talking about her childhood, you know, and being by the beach in the South, and her grandparents owning a business, and her wanting to experience these joys, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and she talked a lot about like how she would see white people have joy. I don't know if she used joy specifically, but she saw white people having like, a quote unquote, the benefits time. of life, <laughs> like the good, t- good time. Like they get to do this, they get to do that, and she's like, I want to do that shit too. Yeah. Like I want to be able to be a, a kid. You know what I mean? So that amusement part, that I think that's something that really stood out to me. And you know how she's like, oh, I made my mama take me. <laughs> yeah. And her mom was like, man, I need to make sure my daughter go. You know, just thinking about like what I saw this mom. You feel me? What she saw in her life, right? Niggas wasn't allowed in the zoo. Oh, it was just... Oh, Bruce, like, right. she came from, a, you know, like, historically, like, that's Jim Crow around that time. So, yeah. her parents could have been either enslaved or sharecroppers. Her mom's parents, right? Mm-hmm. And her mom's over here trying to find a way to make her daughter happy at that time. Knowing that it could risk something. But she was able to speak Spanish. And that, I think the biggest lesson for Asada, she said, was... Realizing that if you black and you born in America, man, you're really at the bottom of the totem pole. Because another motherfucker from somewhere else can come over here and get more privilege and access to you kid. As and literally that happened America. right in front of her life as she said, oh, I'm not from here. I'm from Spain. Yeah. That shit, man. It was all, uh, I'm not going to say mind-blowing because, like, again, like, niggas know their history. But I think sometimes we get so caught up in, like, what's actually going on right now and maybe even a little comfortable in this shit. Or like, we could even just think about, like, the systems. Or yeah. the theories of shit, but to actually hear her story from a, you know, like from an autobiography This is the norm, my nigga. This is the me? norm for motherfuckers. And it's just, nigga, like, niggas go to Marine Road in Great America. For those that are, like, aren't familiar with the Bay Area, I mean, like, Six Flags Marine Road, I think, is like a nationwide chain. But, like, Great America is like a fucking um, amusement park in, in the Bay Area. Like, nigga, we go to that shit all the time. And every once have I thought, like... Damn, of course my, my, I learned it, but like, okay, nigga, there was once a time where my grand, my great grandmother couldn't come to know shit like this. 
Like nigga, like our great parents, parents. parents we, like niggas we live. Not even our grand, like our, our parents was born in that shit too. You know my mom dumbass young, so oh yeah, okay. <laughs> my my, pop, <laughs> my mom's super young. My nigga. pops was born in the sixties, mid sixties. Yeah. My mom nigga was born damn near the eighties, nigga. Uh, but yeah, you think about like nigga, like nigga, like my grandparents, my great grandparents lived in a time where like at one point they couldn't go somewhere, the next day they could. Yeah, like that's like you know what I'm saying. So it's like nigga, I couldn't imagine. Not nigga, like being a little kid buying a little coke bottle. If you feel me to get some cheap nigga, ass. Imagine being like niggas. You, you can't. Nigga, she said they couldn't go to the zoo. Nigga, like she would ask her. She was there's a point when she was talking about she used to ask her grandma every day. Like not every day, but like whenever they passed the zoo, like can I go to the zoo? zoo? Your grandma like next time, next time, next time, next time, next time. And one day her grandma just told her like, nigga, we can't go because black people not allowed in that motherfucker. Bruh, and that's like the things that we are so accustomed to and i think that's what privilege is really about the shit we so accustomed to shopping where the fuck we want to go to you feel me getting a hotel damn near wherever the fuck we want to go to damn near going where we want to go to and just thinking you know twice about shit and of course like thinking about safety and shit too yeah, like, like niggas, then niggas deal with prejudice and all that kind of shit but not the ways in which like nigga you are right, no no niggas allowed think about we be on, <laughs> we be on bart niggas be on public transportation AC Transit nigga like, Niggas be on that shit Like they're Niggas like, been on the 51B Come on Like niggas really couldn't even Sit where they wanted to Niggas couldn't go on They gotta go through the back She was talking about Being at the movie theater And having to literally Sit at the top Like you go into the movie theater You have to sit at the top Furthest away from the screen And even in that section Of the movie theater You don't have all the amenities There's old popcorn right. There's like, no can <laughs> Like I said I really <laughs> wanted to just Get an Elvis Presley photo You feel me And had to go sneak into The white people area and convince him to sell her a Elvis Presley photo. Fuck Elvis Presley is some racist shit, anyways. But but yeah, man, this shit is all about access. The basic amenities, you feel me, that we see as basic as normal, is some shit that people who came before us did not have. And I think, man, like that that brings like two things to my mind: um, being aware of my privilege and like gratitude. Whatever that you know, like whatever that means, having gratitude in the white supremacist, uh, white supremacist <laughs> society, but like on some real shit, right? Like having gratitude for one, the work that my ancestors and the people before me put in, so that I could have this access. Um, and then two, fuck, I forgot my next point. It's bugs and shit flying around. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> <laughs> she got me lucky. Shit. Hell, black um, inside of nature I edition, think like, man. Yeah, like having access. Damn, we supposed to be a revolution, and we we afraid of these bugs. <laughs> I mean, nigga. I'm afraid of bugs, nigga. I ain't gonna cap. But yeah, I, so I <laughs> forgot my second point. My, the number one thing is, bro, just like being aware of the privilege and access that niggas have these days and not being too comfortable in this shit because even now, like, nigga, all right, we got access. Like, at one point, race was holding us back. Now, this motherfucker can't do certain shit because of class. You feel me? So it's we like know classism is inherently tied to <laughs> anti-blackness, me? but that shit just yeah, man. It's, it, that 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 shit had me really fucked up, and I'm sure like as people read this shit, they go they gonna feel the exact same way. Another thing that popped up in that chapter was blackness. Yeah, and just the identity of blackness too. So I know for us, it's very well, nigga. I'm black, nigga. I ain't African American. You know, we can get so caught up in this idea of how we see blackness today and how we see the word black, right? Mm-hmm. But I know one thing that struck me in reading Asada is how she's like, oh, like black was such a derogatory term back then that they would make fun of each other. Like, nigga, you, you black, nigga. What the fuck? 
like really that's how they would make fun of each other other black people would be like oh now nah, you black nigga like what in every sense of the word blackness had a negative connotation right so they would be making jokes like oh man your shirt hella ugly man you black and your shirt ugly like that's how it started was saying like they would just if you added black into a joke that shit would be quote unquote more of a joke you yeah, know what i'm saying yeah, just so worry. thinking about just how now like we identify as black right and the shift that came with that word Right, so just thinking about it. the the work, the political work that Asada did, and, and you know the Black Power movement, Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture, right, and the Black Panther Party, you know, the Black is Beautiful movement that came out of the, the Black Power era, right? This these radical quote unquote Black folks, you feel me, changed the consciousness of our people too, and these political movements have also encouraged us to love each other and love ourselves. You feel me? For the way we look. For the way our hair grow. You feel me? Like, Black is Beautiful came out of a revolutionary political movement. So not only were we fighting for our rights, we were also fighting for ourselves and, and building self-love. Yeah. You know, and I think that was... It's like, of course I've learned about the Black is Beautiful movement, right? And Black Power movement. Mm -hmm. But like... James reading, Brown say it loud, nigga. I'm blacking up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that wasn't always the fucking case. Not you know what I'm saying? And just hearing the music and hearing, you know, seeing the photos, the afros, the weather jackets, that, you know, like I mean, that, those are anti-blackness still pops up in different ways. Right. You know, like we see it in the ways in which beauty is marketed. Facts. Like it, it still show up a lot. you are, right. It, it still show up, but I think just like during, um, it's, it's like not, the word black is so normal to us now. You it, know? It, it means something totally different than what it was then. I think there's a lot more pride uh, and not like knocking, you know, our our ancestors because like niggas was just, you know, fresh out of slavery, fresh out the Jim Crow South. Like that shit. Come on, my nigga, like on some real shit. Uh like so I get it, bro. Like you wanna detach yourself from and you get this internalized fucking racism, You think this shit bro. is negative and you think yeah. about even back then, the media, you know, the newspapers, you know, teach you to hate yourself and niggas was reclaiming that shit. And I thought I don't know, that's, that, that stuck out for me for some reason. It's like, I always knew about Black is Beautiful, those movements, but I never thought about, like, what did that word black mean before that? Yeah. And how, like, we always reclaim, historically, you know, even the word nigga, you feel me? Niggas have always reclaimed shit to mean something different than what our oppressors made. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or the negative connotations that white supremacy has inflicted on our, our consciousness and about our own identities. Facts. I don't know. That shit stuck out. No, I, it was it was definitely something that resonated with me too, um, and I'm sure anybody that's read it or is reading it could definitely identify and feel the same way. Um, say so the first two chapters start with Asada being arrested. Um, so chapter one is her being arrested, admitted into a hospital. Chapter two go back into our childhood yeah, in the south. How, and that's how the book kind of function, right? Like for the first couple chapters, it goes like back and forth between. Uh, I think like. Her at the quote, like, I, I don't know, I guess, like, the political time in her life, and like, kind of when you go back in time, um, the shit that happened in her childhood that played a role in that political in, in, in her being politicized, like, how she started to view her blackness, right? Um, and then chapter three shifts to like her being admitted into prison. And I wanted, I don't know if this is the this isn't when she arrives at this jail, like, I'm, I was, I was reading through the chapter again, like, going back as I, as I was like writing our notes or whatever. Um, and it doesn't name the jail that she's admitted to in chapter three. And I don't know if it's the Middlesex 
I don't think it's Middlesex and it's not nah, Rikers. because she was sent back to that one. It wasn't Rikers either. Yeah, because she was sent to Rikers when she had that trial again. So but, she's she's admitted to the first prison in Chapter 3. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know exactly which one it is. Um, but, but she just talked about how many fucking jails and prisons she went back and forth to. Yeah. Uh, not knowing where she was going to go. Her lawyer's not even knowing. You feel me? Where she was being sent to. Yeah, she had... So Very, thinking about quote unquote rights and constitution and all that shit, it's like yeah. bro, that shit was out the fucking door for a le- for a revolutionary. Yeah, like nigga, I mean, why would they, nigga, public enemy number one? I'm not giving you access to any. For one, I'm trying to railroad your ass. I'm trying to send you up, bro, real quick. I'm trying to get this shit over with, and I'm trying to give you as little resources as possible because I want to make your situation as tough as possible. And on top of that, she wasn't getting access to like the right doctors. It was all type of shit, all planned in like either her eventual demise, either your mental, physical, right. or spiritual demise. And at this point, she's still recovering from being shot, and is still partially paralyzed, and is not getting the right, yeah. correct, and proper medical treatment that she should have. This chapter had me thinking a lot about. I think like one of the it had me thinking about the the prisoner experience in general, but two things like the political experience, the political prisoner experience. Because that's exactly what she was, a political prisoner. Facts. And then also she addresses, like, through the, telling the stories and her interactions with other women in, in, in jail. Um, it had me thinking about the experience of... Being a black woman in prison. In prison Incarcerated. Because uh, it's like, this is in the, you know, early 70s. Right? And mm-hmm. so often, even right now, we talk about black men who are incarcerated. And that's the dominant story that we talk about. Yeah. We don't... That's how patriarchy you know, works, right? Right, and not a lot of people think about the yeah. experiences of of black women who are incarcerated and a, a political prisoner as a as a black woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like throughout that chapter, she talks a lot about what it was like to be a political prisoner. Every time, especially like early on when she's first transferred to prison, nigga, everywhere she goes, she get interrogated. Period. Point blank. Everywhere she goes, she get interrogated. Like you said, she's still healing up. She'd have the quote unquote good cop, then have the quote unquote bad cop. Then is, they would send a doctor to her, like and imagine, she was convinced like, that one prison. I don't know if anybody got family that's in prison or like been in jail themselves. That shit is already like a very traumatic experience. But you throw in the fact that you know that these motherfuckers are trying to give you. They 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 trying to they they trying they use everything they got to imprison you to break your game, break your spirit. Um, and on top of that, you fucking just got shot, my nigga. Still recovering, still in pain. So that not that, being given the adequate resources to recover and to gain full strength back. That shit amplifies everything, bro. Um, and from the moment she steps into prison, she's treated inhumanely from her search, and she she was. Bro, she I don't even know so much that, heart, my nigga. Like, I think that was later on in the chapter, though. I was like, I think chapter five when she was searched. Nah, I mean when you go to prison, she I mean she denied her first search as soon as you go yeah. as soon as you go to like. As right, soon right. as you touch down, it's you getting searched cavity, hundred yeah. percent. Um, but I, th- I, th- I think uh, something that really stood out to me was just her. I don't know how her will, bro. How strong she is, bro. And there's not many people that's cut out for this shit. And I think sometimes we forget like what we sign up for when you say, okay, I'm about to fight this white supremacist system from the day I'm bo- from the moment I reach this consciousness and this understanding to the day that I die, right? Because you don't yeah. turn the lights off unless you op. Um, but yeah, she uh, her resilience was something that really stood out to me. And then I, then she started telling stories like when she finally started engaging with the other, the other uh, people who was incarcerated women, yeah, the other women that were that were incarcerated, and just like motherfuckers was going to jail for literally trying to survive, my nigga, for nothing, from like. <laughs> I remember we was both reading. I was like, bro, they was campers, my nigga. They was talking about boosting back then. I didn't even know a booster was a term back then. You know, I'm like people incarcerated for that shit. 
But it was like she was she she was also saying like it was like nigga this is strictly for black women and like poor uh women from South America, uh really just poor black and brown women. Anybody that didn't identify as white. Uh she was talking about how like white women would come in for DUIs or much lesser or more uh strong charges and yeah, be released like, like fast. Crimes, my niggas and sometimes didn't even get booked. Like would spend hours in that motherfucker, get bailed out, and that shit just man, that, it, I don't know. That shit was like, it, it fucked me up a lot because like this shit ain't changed much, right? And just even thinking about the foundation of incarceration, right? So a lot of these prisons is built on former quote unquote plantations, right? And mm-hmm. just transferred into prison plantations, and you know being forced to work, right? She was forced to work after being shot. I mean, that's you know, be, being right? put in the workhouses, right? And, like, if you're not, you're going back to solitary. You know what I mean? So just thinking about just that that pure dehumanization. You know, we want to talk about, oh, okay, we've come so far. And if we study the history, we, we got to look at it for what it is. I don't know how you can read this shit and justify prisons. For real. Look, that's, that's I mean, my thing. Is like, this shit really had me on some real. Like, uh, niggas already been like, we need to abolish prisons and restorative justice and all this kind of shit, right? But, like, you read this kind of shit, like, bro, this is nuts. Like, motherfuckers don't stand a chance. I don't give a fuck what you did. There's no reason why people should be getting treated like this. Like, there's there's no reason. What's, especially, like. And just think about being a black woman. You feel me? It's like thinking about, like, menstruation products. You know what I'm saying? Like. Niggas was saying she can only get her clothes washed once a week. Once a fucking week. And that other prisoners weren't being solidarity with her and just trying to get her clothes because she was in solitary and couldn't come out. Yeah, I feel like this chapter really dove into what the prison experience is like, especially being a woman in prison. Um, And as you read this, if you don't feel like prison abolishment is a very necessary thing, right? you might be it. You might be a sociopath. Is that what it's called when you like really can't connect to human beings? Yeah. yeah niggas might be sociopaths. Or a white supremacist and we're the same. <laughs> yeah, what's the <laughs> difference? If you're a white supremacist, you're it's like, I'm reading this shit. I'm like, what were you? But just even thinking about the way, like, because she heard it. You feel me about people, quote unquote, being burned to death in their cells. People, quote unquote, you feel me, hanging themselves in their cells. This shit really shows, like, what happens at... She was talking about building that little barricade. She made barricades and she stacked up the can so she would have her own alarm system just in case a guard came in and tried to kill her, bro. So enter this now into 2019 when we had Sandra, Sandra Bland, Bland. happen in, in 2017. You feel me? And Sandra this Bland is one of the names that we know. 60, and just, 60, 60 bro, how many people were killed in Santa Rita, bro? How many people? That's just county jail, right? So think about how many prisoners are, are murdered because they... And she's saying when you defy the prisons, they always try to find a way... You feel me? To knock you off. Like her own words back in the in the early seventies. So we in twenty nineteen, why the fuck would we think that shit has changed? When the shit has only grown and gotten stronger and stronger. Work, and now we have more private prisons where niggas could invest in prisons. So she's saying and that's why I think, bro, like this that the biggest thing that she's teaching me is like, bro, nigga always gotta fucking read. You know what I mean? And if you can't read, you know, audiobook or, you know, trying to engage just some other way. Just knowledge. So I think that yeah. shit keep, it, it, it keeps you current. It keeps you on your toes and it keeps you uncomfortable. There's no way you could read this as someone who's claiming to be fighting for the liberation of black folks, claiming for the 
the progression or just even claiming to be about black people yeah you feel like I don't there's no way you can read this like... and be comfortable and be like oh, over some shit like there's no way you can read this by damn like, not thinking about it 20, is what it is yeah. there's no way you could do that there's no way you should read this and be disgusted because the words she's saying now it, you could apply it to our situation as black people today you know and I was just thinking about a few chapters ahead which we'll talk about in our next episode so make sure to tap into that but just thinking about the way she was talking about liberals yeah. Like you could say a lot of the shit she said back then, you apply to today. Yeah, what does progress really look like, my nigga? And then it makes you think, what is progress, bro? Like, <laughs> when if the same shit she was saying back then can be applied today, and it makes exact sense. Yeah. It's yeah. The chapter three was one of my one of the heaviest, but it was definitely one of the most educational ones. Right. One of the ones that really not pushed my thinking, but like. Again, it was a reminder, a refresher, and, so, and at certain points, an eye opener. Especially thinking about I'm thinking the about way oppression. Thing, I'm thinking about I got niggas right now that's down, bro. Yeah. Like for whatever crimes they committed, and whatever, and most of the crimes they committed was in efforts for survival. It wasn't no no sick and sadistic shit. Niggas yeah. was just trying to survive. You know what I'm saying? I think about the ways in which they're being treated, and it's a lot, it's a lot of um. That's dinner. Some people I can shout out from my Twitter that I follow. Um, fuck, fuck, fuck. Let me see. This is these some people that have been lacing me with game. Um, shit can make you emotional too. Yeah, a hundred percent. Shit is shit is sad as fuck. <laughs> Super sad. Um. So there's somebody at J Beware J A Y B E W A R E. This is someone that um. He one of the few white folks on Twitter who be who be. On game. Can you confirm that bro is white? He white. Damn, I never know I was fucking with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's fired though. Like he be posting a lot of shit on like prisons. Like, he be he focuses yeah like prison, on, ab- prison uh, abolition. abolition man. He be he be posting about like hunger strikes and shit that's going on in jail. Like this nigga profile keeps me hella laced with game. Um, he, he's someone that's taught me a lot that I respect. And there's also and like yeah, I, I learned a lot from him just from. Following they fucking uh, uh, prison culture too. Yeah, that's the first next person I was gonna yes shout Lord. out. It's at P R I S O N C U L T U R E prison culture. This is another profile. Uh, do they work together? They host the podcast together? No. Nah. Okay. Um. Yeah, this is someone that, that talks a lot about the what's going what's on in prisons. Uh, that that laces me with with a ton of game. I think y'all should follow those two. They're ab- they're both abolitionists organizers, um, and you can understand what's going on in these prisons. Across the country, uh, we 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 talk about all the time how prisons are directly linked to slavery, um, and, and even there was a quote from the Thirteenth Amendment, my nigga. When you think about when you think about prisons, um, there's a part of the Thirteenth Amendment that says neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for crime, whereof the parties who have been duly convicted shall exist in the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. This is basically saying, my nigga, this is U.S. law saying that if you were convicted of a crime and you go to the pen or to a county. You are a slave. And the thing about Asada's book is she said a fucking, she said a CO recited that shit to her when she was trying to refuse work. She said, nah, if you're in prison, you're still a slave. Yeah, like, oh, you You ain't read the Constitution? Nah, nah, sis. (laughs) You locked up. Let me get this free labor. Not only the labor part, you think about the ways in which slavery looked uh, as the way people were treated. It's, man, y'all gotta read this shit. Like, you have to read this. You have to read this shit. Uh, so thinking about chapter four, man, what's going on with chapter four? Um, again, the the book floats back and forth between 
I'm trying to find the words to find this shit because it's not. It's currently the it's the past because we're in 2019. But for Asada, it's like adulthood and being childhood. incarcerated. Yeah, like it's like what's going on in her adult in her childhood and then going back to her adulthood. Yeah, and I think you made the the point about like her being incarcerated. So it starts like she's going back from being like incarcerated in the different trials that she's on in the different parts of her life that led up to her being on trial. Um, but really, what stands out to me in chapter four was her coming into her blackness. Um, you know, she talks about like being like a, like she she wasn't one of those people that like nigga I didn't know I was black or whatever like she always knew she was black, um, but as she shifted from like early childhood to preteens to teenager to adulthood right how her um, blackness oh, began shifted. to shift as she saw the world around right. her more clearly right because she talked a lot about seeing white people and wanting the same thing as white people yeah and seeing like oh this idea of the quote unquote American dream is like, okay if you be rich you cool. Yeah. You know, and, and she said she kind of dove into that, you know, when she's talking about she being in school in New York. She talks about seeing, you know, she went with a lot of white people. So, oh, I want what white people wanted. You know, like, I want to be able to do that. And that was kind of, in a way, that was kind of her rebellious spirit, I would say. Yeah. Being like, oh, I am black. I cannot have this. But they got it. Nigga, I want that shit too. Fuck that. Like, that was kind of her rebellious and, you know. The beginning of her formation of her, I feel like her revolutionary spirit was forming then too. Yeah, I feel like the rebellion is always rooted in some type of self worth type shit. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh, like I'm not worthy of this shit, nah, nigga. I am. I'm gonna show you too. Well, I'm gonna finesse this shit, shit too. Reclaiming your power. Oh, you say I can't go to an amusement park. Do you know who my mama is? <laughs> yeah, it's reclaiming your power. It's, yeah. it's, re- it's reclaiming your sense of self worth. Um, and it also comes like a shift in consciousness. Like again, she was really starting to see the ways in which the world functioned around her, and yeah. I don't know, I think about, like, me back to me, like, thinking about how I was as a teenager, and I feel like maybe... So even the shit was, we were talking about today, yeah. like, you was talking about being rebellious even in a <laughs> barbecue club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say, like, nigga, I was... Yeah, I, for sure, I don't know if we passed this, this... What is the statute of limits? What is it? What is this shit called? When you can no longer be convicted of a crime? 10 years, right? <laughs> I, ain't didn't meet, I ain't met my 10 year. But I was it, still vague, it, so it, you it, feel it, me? It, I didn't it, even say I what mean, you did. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, like I don't know. I think there comes a time when you um, start to realize how white people got you fucked up. <laughs> like that's just what happens. Like you, like these crackers got me fucked up on some for real shit. Um, and that's that was like the theme of chapter four. Uh, yeah, she was just coming into her blackness and starting to see what was going on around her. She also lived in a time where, like you know. Nigga, civil rights movement was popping off when she was a she was a teenager. Nigga, Malcolm Martin all over the TV screen, uh, and all, and all the, you know she talked about the Rosa Parks situation. Um, so yeah, you really start to see her like look at the world differently. And but all right, like I always, I always knew I was black. I knew niggas had us fucked up, but I didn't know to what extent. Yeah, now nah, that should make me think of Jalil, you know, because Jalil was comrades with Asada, that's my uh, my family, mm-hmm. and. He was in the Black Liberation Army as well. Just thinking about like one thing he said. He said when he saw Martin Luther King be murdered, mm-hmm. that's when you know that radical like man, we can't do this nonviolent. Because it's like nigga, this nigga did it the the right way, like, like quote good, unquote right way, right? Nigga wearing right. a suit, nigga God a God fearing man, he a preacher. Christianity, my nigga. He talking about turning Turn the cheek. cheek, all the shit that they used to preach to us while they was whooping our ass. You feel me in shackles and chains. And that nigga got more radical and was. Cute. Man, man, it, it, um, 
again, I think like throughout this book, I really start to think about my blackness, what it meant to be black at different times, what it means to be black now in 2019, and what it's going to mean to be black tomorrow and the day after that, and the day after that. Uh, yeah. No, it's just the book is it's a very visual book. You know, when you're reading it, you really, you know, she started talking about Greenwich Village and shit. It was like, we was just there in January. Yeah, that was one thing I thought. Like, we stayed exactly in that motherfucker. Like, I'm, like, you, if you've, if you've been in New York and some of the places that she names, it's like trying to see yourself. Talking about Harlem. Yeah, in that time period. Yeah. Especially, like, thinking about, like, for now, that's history for us, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking about, like, white flight. You know, so she's like, oh, yeah, like, these Germans was just moving out as we were moving in. You know what I'm saying? Like for us, we we dissect that historically as white flight. You know, and just she's really talking about her day to day life, her stories. Yeah. You know, as a radical and just seeing how this shit influenced her to becoming the person she was. I think one thing that's hard about this podcast right now is like, nigga, we've read to eight chapters <laughs> and not trying to go too dark, yeah. too far deep with it. I mean, yeah, I'm just, you know, like I said, I ain't never done no book club shit before. Um, Another thing that popped up was survival. Like Asada, if, as you read this book, she's always been one that's just been adjusted to her circumstance, followed no her mind and her heart. And the way she talked about it is like, oh, it's all good, but you just like. Like, nigga, if it sounds this bad reading it, imagine yeah. living this shit. Because it sounds good for a second, then you like, she started writing about this shit. She's like, what? Was, you know what I'm saying? Using the what? Like, I think about the things I've been through in my own life and how so much, how many times life has broken me. Based on circumstance And then you throw into like What it was Again What it was like to be black At that moment Experiencing the same thing As she's experienced But in a much more um, Violent Time For black folks And just even the way she Recollects everything too Yeah You know for at one point Cause she's talking about You know moving to New York And going to a Catholic school It's like is she like Middle class You know Just think about like her Uh Southern family and shit, mm-hmm. and then you start reading more and more. And you're like, bro, she was going through this at this time in her life, nigga. She ran away from home at like 13. 13. On this, like, nigga, think about I was 13. In, at 13, I was eighth grade going to Willard Middle School. About nigga, there's no way I could have been on the streets. There's no way I could have been on the streets surviving by myself. I was my in a private Baptist school, <laughs> and I mean, like, of course, like, I, you know, I had super young mom niggas was on welfare and shit but like that it was it was a different time like it, it was oh she was really surviving from 2005 job, to 1970s this is a way different time bro in new york yeah it, it, it was it, nigga, i was going to school and fucking living in oakland going to school in berkeley uh you know how what, what berkeley be on for me it's it just it was just a way different time uh and the fact that she was able you think about she was living in that fucking hotel she had motherfuckers thinking she was 19 so that show you the maturity like she was like able she to was function. Hustling. She was able to function as an adult. 18, 19 year old. She's also super naive and irresponsible at times. And like you could tell, like, okay, this for sure some 13 year old shit. <laughs> like she, did, she did a lot of shit that but was. She, she would talk about that too. Yeah. You know, I think that's it's like she, in her writing, she's like, oh, yeah, I was kind of on some shit. Like, I, <laughs> like you definitely know? on that shit. But you could feel that, that kind of that, that revolutionary spirit. Mm-hmm. Within her, the rebellious spirit, that shit was within her, you know. So those are the first core principles of the first four chapters. I feel like, yeah. Um, of course, if you're reading this with us, you gonna see other points within it too. 
it is just but these are kind of like, like us that we want to take away on. talking about it the notes that we made and i hope y'all enjoyed this yeah again if y'all listen to this y'all should tweet us because this is our first time doing some book review. Yeah, y'all should tweet us and tell us, like, all right, my niggas, like, I think this shit was cool, but I think, you know, this shit was unnecessary. And these <laughs> are some ways in which y'all can make it a little better. Because, uh, yeah, we want to be more effective with this. I think this is fire. I know we're going to pick some really good books to discuss. Uh, so I hope y'all enjoyed this episode as much as we've enjoyed the book, as much as we've, as much as, as we've enjoyed recording this episode. Definitely. And I hope we encourage people to, to tap into these radical texts. Um, you know, if you can't read, tap in with this episode. You feel me? Tap in with an audiobook if there's an audiobook available. But we're always going to try to make sure that every book that we read, you can get it in an accessible way. So if you can't find this episode right now, it's on our IG. But if you can't find this, uh, not the episode, but the book, tap in with one of us and we'll it's pinned on my, it's, it's, I, uh, I pinned the, I pinned the, uh, the Google Doc on my Twitter. What's your Twitter for folks who just might be listening? At D U H L E N C Y. Duh. Lancy. Yeah. So, <laughs> tap in. Phonetic pronunciation. So, to tap into this next part of this episode, if you're familiar with Hell Black, man, we got a Patreon, a Patron, patreon.com slash Hell Black Power, where we have extended content, you know? And uh, just fuck with us, you feel me? If, like, if we got a dollar to give every month, like, that shit will make a difference for us, you feel me? So tap in with our Patreon, patreon.com slash hellblackpod. We have extended episodes available. And then we also have early access to our episodes. So we record this right now, you feel me? We usually upload this shit straight up to Patreon for those who subscribe for early access. Just straight, raw, uncut, black. So fuck with us on Patreon. Make sure you like us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to you know our podcast on, on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. And yeah, fuck with us. Patreon.com slash Hellblackpod, episode 53. You know I got the rhyming belt, yeah. I'm the greatest. That's just how I define myself. If I was you, I'd do the same, and I'm just trying to help, huh? You hang with nine losers, bro. You bound to be the 10th. I'm with 99 winners. That's 100%. You may say I'm smelling myself while well, I'm loving the scent. Self-hate tried to cage me in, but I'm jumping the fence. I used to want to go viral so I could trend on Twitter. Now, loving myself is the only thing I consider. Go figure. Now my life's starting to fall in place, huh? From a falling place, yeah. Now I'm shining like a Space. I don't chase, I attract, I don't wait, I attack Alignment, 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 alignment I don't force, I allow, I'm just living in the now Alignment, 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 alignment I don't break, I don't fold, I just break out the mold Alignment, 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 alignment From my heart to your ears, you were meant to be here Alignment, 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 alignment I wrote keep going on my shoes as a note to self So anytime my head get down, guess what I told myself I never give up, just pick my head up and hold myself To the highest standards, understand I'm trying to grow my wealth Hey, the newspaper tried to make my name dishonorable But we gon' make sure the SF Chronicles held accountable Hey, tried to use me as a pawn word to Rachel Swine Smiled in my face and transformed like Megatron, uh Bunch me in with vagabonds, but I'm very bonds Plus I'm a parent, so please don't play with my paper, my Yo, I gotta give it to him every time When life get terrifying, I shed a tear and I'm fine Ooh. And then I go back to my arrogant rhyme Balance that with the humbleness of a man who's just trying to do his best That's why the flow's sweeter than Caroline I follow signs, eat right, and take care of my mind Align I don't chase, I attract I don't wait, I attack Alignment, 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 alignment I don't force, I allow I'm just living in the now Alignment, 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 alignment I don't break, I don't fold I just break out the mold Alignment, 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 alignment From my heart to your ears, you were meant to be here Alignment, alignment, alignment
Alignment, alignment, alignment.